Greetings, dear viewers, and warm welcome on Creative Society Global Talk on Education project, the series of new live broadcasts on Alatva TV. Today we are going to talk about education in Malaysia, and we are going to ask questions uh, about education in Malaysia, its goals, its contents. We are going to talk about advantages and disadvantages of distance learning, about vocational schools, and the Creative Society. We are going to ask these questions to a terrific and very interesting person. So let me introduce our today's guest. Our today's guest is Dr. Mazli Malik, Member of Parliament of Malaysia. Dr. Mazli, warm welcome on Alator TV. Thank you very much. A few words about our guest. Dr. Mazli right now is a Member of Parliament of Malaysia and uh, from May 2018 to January 2020, Minister of Education of Malaysia. For those who are watching us for the first time, I'd like to say a few words about International Public Movement Alatra. International Public Movement Alatra is association of friendly, kind, and honest people who inspire to use their best human qualities for the benefit of the whole society. And our project, Creative Society, which is launched by people from around the world, is a project for people. How we envision the Creative Society? The Creative Society is a society where the life of each person is the main value. This is the society where created conditions for people to manifest their best human qualities for the benefit of the whole society. This is the society where each person cares about the society and the society cares about each person. So once again, warm welcome everyone on Alatra TV, and we begin. Dr. Masli, let me ask you the first question. How do you, sir, uh, personally envision the society where you, your loved ones, your friends, and all other people in the world will feel comfortable, happily, and safely? Please, sir. Thank you. First and foremost, I would like to thank Dr. Kostatin and Creative Society and Alatra TV for inviting me today to share some of my thoughts here with all the viewers. And uh, while I was listening to the values and to the goals that uh, Creative Society is trying to achieve, it is in line with the uh, core principles and core values that we were trying to introduce during my tenure as a Minister of Education. Just like you asked me, how would I envision a society that I love to live in? Uh, I would like to live in a society which is full of love, with happiness, and every single individual are mutually respecting each other. And these are the three core values that we introduce in our educational system, uh, when I was the Minister of Education, uh, we want the educational system that is full of love, happiness, and mutual respect, which eventually relates towards the attainment of humanistic uh, society. Yeah. Thank you very much, sir. And how do you envision the development of education in science in the creative society? Can you share with us your opinion and your vision, please? Uh, first and foremost, we should understand the very core objective of education 
itself. For me, if you ask me what is the main objective of education, it is to humanizing the human society. Mm. Without the elements of humanity, education would be meaningless. So education is a way that pave human society to humanize themselves. Because if you don't have a humanized society, which, which should be embedded and heavily embedded with values, you would find a lot of technologies and development, but you're only producing maybe a, a corrupted uh, scientist or politicians, a successful businessman, but they have no ethics, or you might be producing politicians, but you know, they're criminals and all sorts of things. This is where we need to make sure that education is the means to impart and to instill values within the society. Human values, that's fantastic. Uh, Dr. Masli, yeah. um, from your point of view, uh, how important, we've already mentioned about that, but uh, still let me ask you, how important is it right now in the world, in world education, to raise questions of morality and humanity in schools? And how is it going on in the schools of Malaysia, please? It is very pertinent. If you see that uh, sometimes when, when people are talking about, uh, let's say, the post-pandemic uh, education, people are talking about, oh, we need uh, technology for distance learning. People are going to depending a lot on online uh, learning and teaching. Yes, it is true. And with technology and with the development of human mind, I believe that education would be more sophisticated in the future. Mm -hmm. But again, what do we educate? So this is where values are very important. To be honest, to be humane, to embrace human humanity, and also to, to, to produce people who know how to work with, with others, people who know how to respect others, respect others' views, respect others' choice, and also the, the element of love. This is very important in life, and this is very important in education. Education which does not convey love and does, and does not embrace love would be an education which is very dry and would only produce robots and machines amongst human beings. For us, education should supersede all these technical things. At the end of the day, it's about humanizing the human society. Hmm. How interesting. Let me here make uh, like a small conclusion, um, of a follow-up conclusion for our viewers. So love, this is the force which unites all people all over the world, regardless of nationality, color of the skin, place of living, his views, either political or religious. Love is the core thing. Precisely, precisely. This is where, when during my tenure as the Minister of Education, we have started a few uh, programs, first and foremost, to impart love within the hearts of the educators, within the heart of the students, within the heart of parents and community, in which we believe that education is not only the responsibility of the teachers alone, or the uh, school leaders, or the Minister of Education, but it is 
the responsibility of every single individuals and all parties in the country or in the community. This is where we try to bring education outside the four walls of this classroom. For us, the world is where you educate people and the world is where human or students or teachers or educators continuously learning about themselves first and foremost, about the world surrounding them and how to express their love, not only to themselves, not only to the family, not only to the community, but for the whole world, for the environment, for the future generation and uh, for the nation. This is where I think love is very important. And I mean, since the days of Plato, since the days of Aristotle, people are talking about the pursuits of happiness. This mm -hmm. is very important. Yeah, and and, and uh, you did ask me about uh, education in Malaysia, how we impart that. Uh, mm -hmm. We try to bring this moral education. Um, so, sorry, it's not moral. Civic education in all the subjects and all the curriculum and all the extra curriculum that we teach at schools and trying to bring out the students and the teachers outside to school to be part of the community, to contribute to the community. This is where we have the slogan. We're saying that school for the community and university for the society. So the society for the university, because in Malaysia, uh, the higher education is also under the Minister of Education during my time. The university are there to solve the real problem of the community, the real problem of the society. This is where the very idea of university for the society. So they must give back to the society and all the academics, all the university students, all the academic academia cohorts must do their best to solve the real problem of the nation. You know, that, that, that's absolutely fantastic what I'm listening because um, that's where my next question comes in. Because um, really. prepare, prepare, preparing for the interview, I was reading information uh, about you when you were the Minister of Education of Malaysia. And here I want to oh, ask a question. You were stalking me then. I beg your pardon. <laughs> you were stalking me over the internet. No, no, no. I was reading information <laughs> about you. I was not discussing no, anything, I was joking, but I was, I was reading joking. information. Uh, let me ask you the question. When you it's were the honest, Minister of Education, yeah. when you were the Minister of Education, you've made changes in Malaysian education system that were, and the quote, deemed useless and unconstitutional by many. One of them was that you introduced uh, the student-oriented system to primary school to replace a formally exam-oriented structure. Can you please tell us more about that? And um, continuing, uh, please tell us what are the other challenges of today's system of education in Malaysia? First and foremost, I would like to give a general background of the, the, the education, uh, educational system in the eastern part of of, of the globe, which we are emphasizing a lot on examinations, you know? Uh, so it is very difficult to introduce a non-examination based education. 
the very idea of it is for us education is where or is, is is the means to unleash or to invoke the potential within all students examination wouldn't be fair to everybody wouldn't be fair to the students wouldn't be fair to the teachers and wouldn't be fair to the parents so what we did is a continuous comprehensive assessment and also follow-up and observation by the teachers along with the parents on the students so since they are in year one at school we are doing a continuous assessment of every single student we're trying to look at their talents because different individuals have different set of talents and it's very unfortunate i'm not sure whether it happened in other part of the world but in malaysia oftenly you have children have a child or a student has different kind of ability and talents but because of examination the score high high grade or whatever the, the expectation of the parents and the community they will force to take subjects or uh, specialization or courses at the higher education level which actually does not align and does not support their talent for example mm -hmm. for those high grade students they push to take medicine they push to take uh, pharmacy or dentistry or uh, engineering but some of them then their talent is not in that area yes they can score high score but they are the future mozart for example they're good in, in music but they are not pushed towards that just because of their examination grade and some of them they maybe become an inventor the, the, the modern thomas edison but mm -hmm. they were pushed to take medicine and to become surgeon or to become consultant in the future and that will kill the potential of every student exactly. and exactly. it will impede the development of the nation and i believe that education the continuous assessment and also and also the continuous observation of the teachers or the educators along with the parents on every single student will help them to unleash the maximum potential of every student this is where we try to get this this continuous assessment to be uh, recorded in data and with big data and with the help of artificial intelligence at the higher level at the high school even at the age of 13 we can identify which courses or which specialization each student is best to pursue some of them are good in vocational some of them are good in technical some of them are good in arts some of them are good in maybe culinary and some of them are good maybe in uh, medicine in science in, in scientific uh, things or in engineering so with the help of big data with the, with the help of uh, algorithm and with the help of uh, artificial intelligence we're trying to rebuild the nation but that was during my time i'm not sure you know for your information uh, since the early of this year there's a change of government in malaysia and i'm not sure whether the current ministry of education would continue that uh, effort that we have embarked with you know i'm listening to you and you know that for me that's in very positive meaning that's a real blow of mind because the idea that you are telling right now is it's fantastic you know it so much aligns with um 
the Creative Society project with eight foundations of the Creative Society um, and in general of the Creative Society that we help our children to unleash their best potential to support it, to maximize it, and then we as a whole society are going to enjoy the benefits of our work, of um, the potential that we opened up in the children and help them to become better, better, and in the end the best, not only as a human being, but also as a citizen, as a specialist, as a countryman. Fantastic. So I'm Dr. one Rosen. of you guys. Thank you very I'm much. One of I'm, you guys so much I'm so much <laughs> pleased to hear that. Thank you, sir. Let me ask you a question also about uh, distance learning. This question is also important right now for many schools all over the world because, you know, we faced the pandemic situation and the situation when a lot of schools around the world had to move to electronic classes. From your point of view, as the member of the parliament, as the former minister, as an educationalist, what are the advantages and disadvantages today of distance learning, please? First and foremost, uh, whether we like it or not, we are moving towards the future where people will be will becoming more inwards, people will be becoming uh, more independent, and they will be heavily depending on technology. And online learning is inevitable. Whether you like it or not, you, you cannot reject it. But again, it must be considered only as a tool, a way to educate. At the end of the day, the contents of education, it what uh, we should uh, give the, the emphasize on. And also, at the end of the day too, uh, online education cannot replace the very conservative, uh, sorry, the very primitive idea of education, which is a direct communication between the educators and also those who are being educated, number one, and number two, to, to instill a continuous culture of learning. Uh, let me take it back to our previous conversation when we talked about uh, unleash the very potential of our student. There is, an, there is an ultimate goal for that, which is to, to achieve the culture of excellence. We want to instill mm -hmm. within the heart of every student that there are no such thing as losers. There's, so, there's no such thing as failure. What we have are winners. Every single individual, they are winners in their own sense, in their own talents. Sometimes, you know, examination really downgrading people. Mm -hmm. Those who are having True. talent, for example, True. in sports or in technical things, they may, may, may not be good in, 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 uh, in literature or may not be good in mathematics and science. Oftenly, when they take examination, they get the least grade. And people will say that, okay, you go to the, to, to, to the least grade classes. And this is very demotivating. It will kill the potential of every student. So this is where we're trying to introduce a streamless schools, we're trying to introduce the, the gradeless classes, and also trying to replace uh, the examination and grades with continuous uh, assessment and continuous observation of the teachers, but with a specific goal, which is 
to bring everybody towards the culture of excellence. And coming back to your question of the on, on the distance learning. Yes, distance learning is inevitable, just like, just like I mentioned earlier. But again, you must have certain philosophy that should not be abandoned with this distance learning. Mm -hmm. Again, True. I say, uh, again, I would like to repeat the idea of uh, humanizing uh, the human society and also the pursuit of happiness and also the enhancements of the culture of excellence. Whatever distance learning that we are promoting must never neglect these three major elements. But again, to talk about distance learning in Malaysia, and I believe in many of many parts of the countries, there are a lot of marginalized people, especially those who are living in rural area. Those who are less fortunate cannot effort to, to have a device like what we are having now. And, and uh, according to our survey, in Malaysia, the bottom 40 uh, communities, they're having a lot of difficulties in accessing the distance learning. This is where the challenge comes. So in overcoming it, whether we like it or not, we need to embrace the spirit of education is, every, is, the, is everybody's responsibility. It's not only the responsibility of the schools or the parents, but also the community. This is where the private sector should come in. This is where the NGOs should come in. This is where business entities should come together and help the society in building or in equipping the families, the schools with a proper infrastructure to allow distance learning. I see. Fantastic. You know, uh, Dr. Masley, I want to continue uh, the dialogue about the culture of excellence. I honestly call it the culture of self-improvement. When I'm working hey. on my personal improvement as a personality, as a specialist, let me ask you a question. From your point of view, how important right now for every teacher to be an example of this culture of excellence or the culture of self-improvement uh, both personally and professionally, and of course, be an example to pupils, parents, and the society. Can you share with us your opinion and understanding, please? Oh, it's very pertinent. It's very utmost important because at the end of the day, the teachers are the closest example for the students to emulate. This is where in Malaysia, uh, we introduce the idea of teachers as a beacon of society. Teachers mm -hmm. are the ones who, who, who give direction and enlighten the society. So we're instilling in the mind of, of all the teachers that they must be good exemplaries, not only to the students, but also to the community. But again, they must not be burdened with the clerical jobs and jobs which, does not, which do not relate with their profession as educators, first and foremost. So this is where, in Malaysia, we're trying to minimize as possible all the clerical jobs that, uh, uh, I mean, uh, the, the, uh, the, the administration before me has been burdening all the teachers. So by uplifting their spirit and by giving a lot of confidence to them and by instilling the culture of excellence and also the mindset of continuous learning 
We're trying to push the teachers to their utmost ultimate maximum. So they're happy. And you know, some, some in, in many occasions, we need to uh, uh, appreciate them. And it's, it's, it's a shame that in, 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 in many places, including Malaysia, that uh, teachers were not really being appreciated in the past. So we're trying to uh, put them at their very high standard and I mean, uh, to be acknowledged not only by the parents, but also by the whole society and by the nation. Thank you very much. Fantastic. You know, I was actually going to ask you about this, but I will continue this conversation because, uh, <laughs> like I mentioned again, uh, preparing for this interview, I was reading a lot of information when you were uh, the Minister of Education. And Thank that's you. That's an honor. Absolutely that's an fantastic honor. and true that one of your decisions were to uh, limit the amount of you know, clerical burden and mitigate the clerical burden of teachers. That's that's fantastic because we have pretty much the same situation in Ukraine when teachers uh, have you know, to fill out a lot of papers and do a lot of paperwork. But let me also ask Dr. you, from your point of view, yes, yes, please. Yeah, one thing before I continue with your question, uh, never abandon, and I still remember in, 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 a, in a meeting with other ministers of education and uh, higher learning education uh, administrators, I did tell them they must always engage the teachers' associations, the teachers' unions, and the academic exactly. unions, because those people, they know best about themselves. So we must work together and must never abandon their voice and their concern. Once you open your door for them, once you work and cooperate with them, the then only we can solve all the problems that have been faced by the teachers. And by doing that, you can push the teachers to their utmost, ultimate maximum potential. Exactly. Um, I call it the culture of mutual support uh, when we're helping each yeah. other to become better and better. When we hear the opinion and the voice of other people, for example, if we're talking about teacher, of teachers, of course, of teachers' association, of how we can together help each other become better and create the system which is going to, in the end, we're all going to benefit together. I was also going to ask, um, from your point of view, um, what should be the social security and working conditions of teachers so they could maximize their creativity, their personal and professional potential? Okay, this is a very big and important question because when I first came to my to, to the, not to this office but my previous office in the ministry, my very major concern is about the welfare of the teacher. Mm -hmm. uh, is the welfare really, really taken care of, number one? And number two, the continuous learning of the teacher do they continuously learning to improve themselves? Is there any means? And if there is not, what do they want us to do for them? And number three, we must, whether we like it or not, as a Minister of Education and Minister of Education, we must 
always listen to the teachers. So this is where I think the continuous uh, engagement with teachers unions, teachers associations are very uh, important. Fantastic. Uh, Dr. Masli, uh, leading the innovations and positive changes and in education as the Minister of Education, you recognized that vocational education is essential in transforming Malaysia from a nation of consumers to a nation of producers. Can you please tell us more about it? Uh, you know, sometimes the very idea of uh, education has been uh, uh, deviated when people started thinking of sending their children only to higher learning education, uh, namely the university. People thought if their children cannot pursue their studies in universities, then the children are failed and the children are useless. Actually, this is a very bad mentality, especially among developing nations. It's very interesting if you look at developed nations. I would like to take an example of Japan and Germany. You would see the technicals and vocational uh, education has been given a very big emphasis. And actually, it is not only by the Minister of Education, but also by the industry players. Why? Because at the end of the day, we don't need everybody to go to the college. We don't need everybody to go to university because you would find a lot of people have different talents. Some of them, they're good when it comes to vocationals. They're good in technicals. They're good in, uh, in productions. And some of them, they're good in, you know, uh, agriculture. They're good in, in, in uh, all the mechanistic things. And this is where you need a lot of people with the right talent to come into that uh, specialization and to nurture them and to unleash the potential since the very beginning. So this is where I was about to introduce the new education model for Malaysia, mm -hmm. but you know, political change and government change in which we're trying to introduce all this technical and vocational exposure since primary school. And then when they go to high schools, uh, secondary one, they will be introduced to whatever stream they want in which one of them is vocational and technical. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And at the end of the day, you, if you want to be a developing country, uh, you want to be a developed country, it must produce a lot. In order to produce a lot, you need a lot of expertise, you need a lot of workers and, and, and skillful workers. This is where we need to introduce uh, our students and our children to skills, to vocationals, and to technical trainings since their early age. So when they come into the, work, uh, the workplace, they're already talented, they're already skillful. It will help the production, it will help the industry, and we help the country. Mm -hmm. uh, you know what? Uh, I want to ask the next question, but very wide. Um, it was mentioned that 
how to become the nation of producers, but not the nation of consumers. But how can we, the whole hum humanity, can finally become the humanity of creators, as we say it, the creative society? How can we become the society that is creating, but not only consuming? So basically, how, from your point of view, to become the creative society? Wow, this is a very big, wide and important question. It requires a whole a one day seminar to answer it. <laughs> but again, to, to, <laughs> to, to, to make it more, uh, uh, to, to summarize it, I would say the culture of excellence is rather important. If we instill within the heart of every educators and in the heart of every student that they must pursue excellence in whatever they are doing, believe me, they'll be creative. They'll be creators. Because the moment they are doing or they're embarking in any of their interests, whether in education, whether in the workplace, whether in, in their life, they will embrace the culture of excellence. This is where I hate to praise other nations and try to compare with ourselves and other and the others. But again, some good things that I, I've learned from these two uh, developed nations, the Germans and also the Japanese. When I went there, I tried to understand uh, what has driven the, the excellence uh, of uh, their TVET or technical and vocational education in Germany. So I found it is their culture of perfection. Whatever they do, mm -hmm. they have a very high expectation and very high standard of quality that they want to achieve. If they're not achieving it, meaning that they fail. So this is where, since the very beginning, they introduced their students, they introduced their, 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 their children to technicals and to, uh, to achieve that you know, high standard of quality you know, the Germans and the Japanese. The Japanese, they, they may not be as highly expecting some uh, uh, result just like the Germans, but they have this idea of giving the utmost best when you're, when you're doing your work. If you're studying, you do the best. If you're doing business, you do the best. And if you are, for example, working, you give the best of yourself. And they have this very old culture that I don't think any Japanese would embrace it now, uh, maybe one or two, but uh, generally they, 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 they have uh, abandoned it. If they fail to deliver anything, they will commit suicide. Yes. Because they want to do the best. They must make sure whatever they do, they will achieve the goal and they give the, the, the maximum potential of themselves. So, uh, no, definitely we, we don't want to ask anybody to commit suicide if they oh, are not, sorry. if they're failing. But again, <laughs> what we're trying to, to, to bring here is the, is the culture of uh, perfection of the Germans. If you combine it with the culture of work of the Japanese, I mean, that would be uh, a perfect recipe for a perfect storm. 
You know what, I believe our viewers are fascinated right now with uh, what has been discussed at this moment because so much important things were mentioned like the culture of excellence, the culture of perfection, the culture of self-improvement. These are the three things which are so much vital not only for the teacher, for an educationalist, but for every single person in his or her development both personally and professionally. And when we are all doing so in every day, either in the family, at work, you know, uh, reading the book or reading something interesting for yourself, you are becoming better and better and better. Fantastic. Dr. Masley, let me ask you a question also about the relationships between people. We have, uh, unfortunately, in the world so much different types of conflicts between people, religious conflicts, political conflicts, military conflicts, um, others. Uh, from your point of view, what is the origin of all conflicts between people in the world? And maybe in this sense, maybe modern school is not doing its job right or in full. What do you think, please? These, you keep bombarding me with important, pertinent and big questions, Constantine. <laughs> but they are really important and they are very essential if we are if we are uh, inspi aspiring a, a more humane civilization for the future generation. Coming back again to your question, I think what we are missing uh, in our education, at least in Malaysia, in the past, the three major elements: love, happiness, and mutual respect. If everybody embraces love, love themselves, love their neighbor, love their community, love the others, love the environment, love the nature, love the even the animals, we wouldn't do things that violating others, violating others' rights, and also destroying others. Happiness. If everybody trying to pursue happiness not only for themselves, because they love others, they would like others also to enjoy happiness. They would try the best to make sure that everybody will be happy and they're always being the agent of happiness. And number three, the most important things that should be taught at schools, in the universities, in our media, in our communication, mutual respect. We should mutually respecting each other's, respect other views, respect other choice, respect other cultures, other religions, other belief and whatnot. If we have these major three elements in our life, in our education, in the family, in the society, if these three major values prevailing in the life of every community, I think we could avoid at least some of those conflicts that happen all around the world nowadays. Fantastic. Fantastic, Dr. Masli. So. <laughs> One more question that I want to ask in this regards. Um, let's just imagine uh, if you had an opportunity to create the right society, the society where every person would live happily, safely, uh, what would you like to begin with? Or what would you like to change? Please share. Wow. That's another big question. 
I mean, it's a series of torture of big questions you're asking me, Dr. Constantin. <laughs> I would like to start with love. Yeah. I would like everybody to embrace love. I would like everybody to start loving themselves, their family, their surrounding, others, and the nation and environment. And by saying love is by having a selfless self. And by trying to instill happiness in others' hearts. I still remember when I was teaching in the university, uh, I was teaching politics then. So we were discussing about education policy. So I told my students that if I become the Minister of Education, I would try to bring love in education. So they, they were laughing that they thought I was joking and uh, me too, I thought I was joking. And definitely I was joking then. But when I became the, the Minister of Education, so I, I told myself that, yes, really, I need to instill love in education, instill love in the heart of educators, and I need to instill love in the heart of every single uh, individuals in the community. And to be honest with you, uh, Mr. Constantine, I would like to spread and instill love in the heart of every single human being in this world and put smile on their faces. Fantastic. I'm so much fascinated with this uh, interview. Truly, I'm so much enjoying it. And um, <laughs> you know what? Uh, if you don't mind, uh, I would like to continue this conversation and have some more interviews with you so we could continue this conversation about education, about love and about its importance in education and in the world community because you know um, in the international public movement Alatra, international public movement Alatra, by the way this is a global movement we have participants in more than 180 countries in every single city in the world we do have participants and we all feeling that we are all one big family because we are indeed we do so we believe that we are all united with love and also in the international public movement lateral we are saying that uh, we are we have one nationality human beings we have one common place of living the earth we all have one common value life and also what unites all of us is love. love. Oh. How can I apply for the membership of this uh, Alatra? Uh, there is no really like application to become a member of the International Public Movement Alatra. If you um, feeling and thinking that we're indeed all one big family and if you indeed feel and think that we're all united by love and doing good things for the benefit of the whole community, society, your country. You're already a participant of the International Public Movement Alatra because we're all at the International Public Movement Alatra. This is 100% a volunteering movement. We're all implementing this uh, project uh, outside of our uh, regular work during our free time uh, because we feel love, we feel importance and we feel uh, desire and need to change 
and change things for the better. And we're also doing it together because, like I've mentioned already a couple of times, we indeed feel each other. Uh, it's, you know, I would even say it's not just like friends, no. It's not just like family, no. It's like one. We're all one, you know. No, I feel and, home. Yes. I We're feel at one. home now. Uh, I very much pleased to hear that, Dr. Masli. Uh, Dr. Masli, we have a tradition um, that I'm coming up to the end of our uh, conversation, but we have a tradition to ask our uh, speakers to recommend two, three, as much as you feel, you know, need to recommend some more people with whom we can contact and continue this uh, dialogue about the creative society, about education in the creative society. Whom would you like to recommend, please? Uh, at, at the moment, I have three persons in my mind that I would highly recommend it to Alatra, to creative society. Number one is my former uh, supervisor, who is a professor in Durham University, uh, Professor Mehmet Asutai. So uh, he's teaching at the business school, and he taught me a lot. If you're listening to all my uh, thoughts and ideas, I would say I mainly learn from him. So it's worth it to get him to, to talk with, with, with you. And number two would be uh, a friend of mine who is also a professor teaching in, uh, in Singapore, in National University of Singapore, Professor Said Khairuddin Al-Junaid. Uh, he's a historian, but worth listening to his idea of uh, educational reform. And uh, number three, another uh, friend uh, of mine, also he, uh, he's not uh, really a historian, he's a sociologist in the National Technology at Nanyang Technical University of Singapore. So his name is Professor Farishno. So these three individuals, I think uh, it's worth it for you to dig, to pick up their brains. Yeah. Thank you very much, sir. And um, the last question. Um, what would you like to say to people who are watching right now us and will be watching, um, what kind of message would you like to send to the world, please? We need to embrace love. We need to convey the message of love to every single uh, place in this globe. People talk a lot about politics, people talk a lot about conflicts, people talk a lot about uh, economics, but we rarely find people seriously talking about love. And we should continue this talking, this talk. And what we miss a lot is talking from heart to another. And I would say that uh, we should uh, try to convince ourselves and to push ourselves to be the agents of happiness, trying to put smiles in every faces of the citizens of the world. Thank you very much, Dr. Masli. I truly enjoyed today's conversation and I hope that we will continue our conversation uh, in the future. Uh, thank you very much, sir. Uh, to our viewers, I'd like to remind that we today had a 
absolutely fantastic conversation uh, with Dr. Mazli Malik, Member of Parliament of Malaysia, former Minister of Education of Malaysia. Dear friends, if you'd like to learn more about the project Creative Society, we're inviting you to visit our website, which is called alatraunites.com. On this website, which is right now on your screens, in the uh, right top corner, you can see the button Join Us. You can click on it and fill out a short form in one of the languages you feel comfortable, just answering a few questions and send us an message. And of course, we will definitely contact you. Thank you very much for watching us today. Thank you. And Dr. Masli, thank you very much again. Thank you, sir. Thank you. My pleasure. Have a good day, friends. Bye-bye. You too. Мы можем говорить.